Well, hello and welcome to the Story of Hope podcast, um, where we share stories of how Bible translation brings hope to the people groups of the world. My name is Alex Winslade and I work at Wycliffe Bible Translators New Zealand um, as the communications coordinator. And I'm joined again by my co-host. My name is Esther Esther Smith and I am a part of the band Eversmith. We've been partnered with Wycliffe Bible Translators New Zealand for a long time now as their musical ambassadors. And we're super excited today to have our guest, Will Flores. Give him a huge welcome. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation to, to come and share a little bit here. Um, yeah, so I, I'm Will. I'm a member of Wycliffe New Zealand. And a lot of people wonder why I'm a member of Wycliffe New Zealand and not Wycliffe Mexico or the US. Um, well, there is no Wycliffe, and when I joined Wycliffe, um, Wycliffe U.S. said that and, uh, because I'm not a, a, an American citizen and I wasn't a resident of the U.S., I couldn't be a member of Wycliffe U.S. back then. I don't know. That has changed, probably. Uh, but I was living in New Zealand. Uh, I had been invited to, to come to New Zealand and um, work with a... Uh, a couple who had been in Mexico, uh, in my hometown, translating the Bible, uh, the New Testament into my own language. So they invited me and that's why I was in New Zealand. And when I decided to join Wycliffe, then I applied to join Wycliffe New Zealand. So yeah, that's the long story. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Super awesome. And you, are you also married to a New Zealander? No, my oh. wife is from the U.S. Oh, so, the U.S., okay. Yeah, after joining Wycliffe, I went to Mexico, went back right. to Mexico. And at work, I met my wife, Anita, and she she's from Minnesota, U.S., where right. I'm right now. Oh, oh sweet. Yeah. Awesome. I actually haven't been to Minnesota yet. I've been to a lot of states, but that's one of the few ones. So maybe one day I'll come visit and say hi in person. That'll be awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, but we have uh, some icebreaker questions for you. So the first one is, if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? That was quite a challenge. Um, <laughs> I love food and, and it's kind of my weakness. <laughs> so when I when I go anywhere, I want to try the local food, and and I think because I haven't had uh, meat pie, you know, like steak and cheese pie lately, that's what comes to mind. You know, I want huh. a nice steak and cheese pie. Yes, <laughs> I I miss pies as well. There's this one place in Nashville. It's um. It's called District Coffee, and mm -hmm. it was started by uh, a couple from uh, Topo, and they sell meat pies. And so every once in a while, I'll go there. It's like not quite the same as back home, but it's pretty close. So I'm like, right. yes, it's my it's my kind of like fix when I <laughs> when I feel like I need a pie. <laughs> yeah, oh, the um, it, show, it probably shows my age that there was a, a, a restaurant change in New Zealand. It was called Georgie Pie. Yes. And I used to go there for a $1 price Georgie Pie. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Georgie Pie. That was when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah, so good. I think my brother had a birthday party there one year, played on the playground, oh, all of that sweet. good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> good old Georgie Pie. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, following on from that, 
uh, what was one aspect of New Zealand culture that you found strange when you first moved? Um, it was really strange uh, to see people walking bare feet. Ah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> in, in my town, I saw a lot of people without shoes. Yeah. But there wasn't out of choice. It, it was because they didn't have shoes. And so they weren't used to wearing shoes or they didn't have them. Uh, but you get there and, and, and just everybody not wearing shoes and even in supermarkets and <laughs> places where you think, you know, they, they'll be wearing shoes. But yeah, uh, yeah, and just the fact that every house had space and, and garden and trees mm. and grass the city where I had been living just before going to New Zealand is so crowded, you know, no, no green spaces. So yeah, those yeah. two things just kind mm -hmm. of really stood out. <laughs> yeah. I love hearing like the little things that people find strange that if you've lived in New Zealand, you don't realize is strange. Like for me, cause I grew up in the Philippines where again, there's lots of people and it's just quite a hum and coming to New Zealand where at five o'clock it's like, everything's closed everyone's quiet like there's no like sound out on the street like that was really eerie for me for it to just be silent but like everyone else was like that's not weird <laughs> yeah. yeah i yeah. actually tell people all the time about the shoes thing like um i'm pretty sure that most of my childhood i would go to school on monday wearing shoes and then i wouldn't have shoes again until the the weekend I'd bring them home on Friday. <laughs> I was just like, oh, no, I don't need those. I just like walk around without my shoes. Um, so my feet yeah. were real tough and now like they're not tough anymore at all. <laughs> they're so, so Americanized, you know, um, just, yeah, such a different culture. So as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I fully, fully relate to that, but like kind of the backwards way because I, th I think I've now been like, Un, unused to that i guess yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah and, and, like can you say uh, even you know in, in in the forest you can walk bare feet if you want to you yeah know? yeah but uh, over in mexico you can you know there might be things that can bite you and yeah. it's mm -hmm. not good for you <laughs> yeah 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 for real like even just in nashville like it's not as bad as um some of the things that can happen in Mexico, but like we have ticks here, which there's no ticks in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they have these awful things called chiggers, which are kind of like these, I don't even understand what it is, but they like burrow under your skin and you get like mm -hmm. this rash around them. It's so mm -hmm. nasty. Yeah. So you just can't, you just can't <laughs> yeah. walk in the grass. <laughs> yeah. I still get like freaked out walking through long grass because in the Philippines there are snakes, but there's not any in New Zealand. Uh -huh. But even though I know in my head that there's no snakes in New Zealand, like I was just growing up, it was just like conditioned to like, don't walk through long grass. And so it's like here, it's like, it's irrational, but I was just used to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. we'd love to um, jump into a bit of your story, Will. Um, so I guess the first question we have sure. for you is when and how did you first encounter the work of Bible translation? Um, I think I encountered the work of Bible translation the day I was born. Yeah. So, wow. um, it's interesting because uh, I mentioned this couple already, David and Christine Forrest. They were in my hometown doing Bible translation into my own language. 
when I was born. And because of the medical work that helped many people in the community, uh, so one of those days, David was invited to come and help my mom uh, when I was born. And so basically, you know, he, he yeah. delivered me. Wow. wow. And so, yeah, I, I kind of yeah, encountered, you know, the Bible translation through David from, from the beginning. Uh, of course, uh, after several years, you know, as I grew up, I didn't know what, what what that meant and why they were there. It's just that they were there, and uh, I, I remember playing with their kids. Um, they had a home not too far from our house, and when they came and went, but we'll play with their, their kids, and um, I saw them, you know, teaching people uh, the, the Word of God and singing songs, composing music. And so, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was cool work. I did not know how to appreciate it at that time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was until later on. But yeah, so because of the work of Bible translation, the call for Bible translation that David and Christine were there, and that's how they met me. And, and later on, when they needed somebody to come to New Zealand to, to help with uh, David's PhD research, um, that's how they asked me to, oh, wow. to, to come to New Zealand. Is that part of the moment when you received your call to Bible translation or was there more of a process to it than that? No, uh, it was, it was more of a process. Um, it wasn't until, so when I was in New Zealand, um, I met other people who were doing Bible translation and I even took one of the courses they offer in New Zealand. Um, it's a summer course, a summer linguistic course. Mm -hmm. I took that uh, as kind of exploring different possibilities. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, at one point, I, I thought I wanted to be a, a medical doctor. And then I thought about chemistry and I thought about several other things. Mm -hmm. um, but nothing really I was never really comfortable with any of those things. And also I felt very inadequate because studying even in Spanish and then in, in, in English, um, I never felt that my grades were good for any of those things. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I thought, well, what can I do? I, I will explore. So I, I went to one of those courses they offer and, and it was there that I kind of felt like, yeah, I think this will be something that I can do. I think I can, I can do some language analysis. I think I can learn. Uh, I'm, I was starting to show some signs that I could learn another language. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and, and it was there that I kind of, I think God kind of planted a seed in my mind that Bible translation, it's, an, it's a possibility mm -hmm. for me. And later on, when I, after I became a believer and kind of made my own um, decision to follow Christ, then I went to Bible college again in New Zealand. Uh, and it was there that this call for Bible translation was confirmed to me because at Bible college, you either studied to be a pastor 
you study to be a theologian, you study to be a, a, a missionary of some kind, and I kind of gravitate, gravitated towards mission work. Mm -hmm. And But I still enjoyed uh, Greek and Hebrew. I studied Greek and Hebrew at Bible College. Mm. Uh, no, I'm not great at it, but uh, I yeah. studied that. And I, and I thought, well, this thing I like. I like studying uh, the Bible. I like analyzing it. And But I'm not a pastor. I don't have the heart of a pastor. So mm -hmm. that's how I thought, well, really, translation I can do. And I think that's where I'm heading. And so it's just knocking on doors uh, to see if the doors will open. And yeah. hopefully that was God's leading. And that's how what I felt at that time. So uh, you're now primarily translating in your hometown. Did you always know that that was going to be the case? No, I... Uh, Oh, at the beginning, uh, I thought I considered going to Papua New, Papua New Guinea, mm -hmm. uh, also Africa. Um, I had not thought about going back to my hometown. Uh, I guess at that time, I had considered, as most people do, that you know the the New Testament was available in my in my own language. Mm -hmm. um, but then the more I studied the Bible. And the more I looked into the uh, Old Testament, it felt that the word that the that the Bible is not complete. The story is not complete, and and it's hard to understand the New Testament in isolation. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people can get to know Christ in terms of salvation mm -hmm. uh, just by the work of the New Testament. But for people to understand the whole uh, the story, why Christ had to come, mm -hmm. why from the beginning, why mm -hmm. sin, why pain, why all the bad things that happens in this world, and why we need Christ, mm -hmm. it, it, the story is not complete with, without the, the Old Testament. And so I thought, well, they need to know the full story to be able to understand um the, the the bible better and to understand why they need christ uh in their lives so yeah, yeah. I, I love that that's really cool um at heart to show all of the the backstory i guess and it's actually really interesting yeah. that we can get to thinking sometimes that we, all we really need is the new testament when it's so not true all of the people that we're reading in the new testament the old testament was their scriptures and there are so many yeah. times where they were able to lead people to salvation and they were preaching the old testament to them to get them to that place which i love to kind of take on as a challenge for myself like if i were to just have the old testament or know someone who only knew the old testament how would i present the gospel to them without any of my New Testament stuff, you know? Um, yeah. And actually, yeah. one of the things that um, I did uh, is uh, in 2020, the beginning of 2020, I decided to do this thing called the Bible Shred. And uh, it was to read the Bible, the entire Bible in 30 days. 
Wow. And um, it was so much fun. And it's such a different experience than every other kind of Bible reading that I had ever done. And I had, you know, read the Bible a whole lot in my lifetime and various different ways. You know, I'd done reading plans. I'd just done like piecemeal. I'd done all sorts of different things. But reading it through front to back in such a fast amount of time, it was one of, there were so many moments that I caught, oh, that's a reference to that. That's a reference Mm -hmm. to that. And like seeing them between each other and understanding. And then the amount of Old Testament and everything Jesus preached is amazing. And when you've just read, oh, Jesus was referencing that. Oh, oh my gosh, it's amazing. So um, I love that. That's what you're doing for people. It's amazing. A lot of the uh, New Testament writers, they quote the the Old Testament. Yeah. yeah, all the citations that they had, you know, the scripture says so. Yeah. Um, but also I, I see that in almost in every church, when you, you, you want to have a reading, a, a corporate prayer, Psalms is so important. Yes. You can't leave the Psalms and, uh, yeah, in our worship, you know, like yeah. the songs that we sing today yeah. is like writing Psalms in our on language, a modern yeah. way of thinking. So, yeah, I, I, I just don't think that we can leave <laughs> mm. uh, the Old Testament um, out of the Bible. I yeah. Mean, to me, it, both is needed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So what have been, uh, I guess, some challenges about being a Bible translator back in your hometown? There are challenges. Um some people don't understand why I'm there um, mm-hmm. because people who get educated or are able to get out of their, 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 their hometown of where I come from, they don't want to go back because they see that, you know, progress in order to progress, in order to have a, a better quality of life or, or to have better income, you have to go out of that town. And so why would someone who is educated, able to live outside of his community would go back? And they, they don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, the other challenge is that um, I, I don't have uh, uh, any influence in terms of um to tell people what they should be doing there because there's a thin line between, you know, just influencing people and, and, and getting into the local politics. Mm-hmm. And I'm not allowed to do that because, well, I'm from there. I was born in that town, but I'm not a member of the community as mm-hmm. some people understand it because I've left and I haven't done my community service. I need to provide uh, community service uh, for many years, non-pay, don't get paid anything. And so to be able to speak in the community, to be, to have a voice. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'm in my hometown, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not considered to be a member of the community. So insider, but outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, so that comes with some challenges. Uh, I wish I could do lots of other things, but I can't. Um, 
but then there are a lot of other good things too in that i i can't speak the language i can't understand why somebody doesn't show up to work when i when i go and talk to someone like can we work this week can can you help me with uh the revision of a certain book of the old testament and, and if they don't show up you know I, I know i had to go and visit them two or three times before they actually show up mm. it's not like i can make a phone call and say okay show up at nine nine in the morning on monday mm -hmm. it doesn't work yeah. that way so there are things that i can't understand about the community the way things works how people work and what you need to do in order to get people on board but yeah i have to be careful not to overdo it too mm. so yeah that, that's there are challenges and there are yeah. good things too <laughs> yeah i find that so interesting that um i guess even though you were born there and sort of grew up there because you haven't lived there you're not really in some ways considered as part of the community it sort of shows that there's a whole lot more to culture than you know just the basic things that people think um but do you think because you said it's a challenge that people don't quite understand why you've returned do you think that sometimes presents like an opportunity to explain like why why you are back yeah it, it is an opportunity to explain and, and also uh, i think living by example is uh, it's a great thing mm -hmm. um one of the things that sometimes i don't need to explain but it just shows is the way i teach my kids how to speak chinantec mm -hmm. um a lot of people when they're educated and they they live outside of the community, they don't want to speak Chinatech anymore. And they don't teach their ki kids or their children how to speak the language. Uh, but I teach my kids. Uh, and so when, when I'm there and they want to talk to my kids uh, and they try to talk to them in Spanish and they don't respond until they speak to them in Chinatech and then my kids will respond to them in Chinatech. Wow. So my my oldest, uh, he's 11 years old, William, uh, he, he was sitting outside selling, I think he was selling cookies, you know, biscuits um, one day. And there were uh, a lot of teenagers coming along and they wanted to buy some of the things he was selling. And they spoke to him in, in Spanish. And he and William never responded to them. And they kind of teased him, you know, don't you understand Spanish? And William didn't say anything. And one of them spoke to him in Chinantec and William started talking. <laughs> so yeah, that, that kind of helps with the, uh, you know, self-esteem and for people to value their language. Just mm. saying, no, you know, you don't have to be, uh, to, to deny your language or deny your heritage just because you're yeah. educated. Mm. Mm. That's, That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of your language and your hometown, uh, can you tell us the story of how the gospel was first brought to your hometown? Sure. Um, the gospel in my hometown started in a kind of unusual way. Um, in the late 70s, no, 60s, sorry, uh, there was a priest, a Catholic priest who came along, and I guess he must have been a bit of a rebel or, or kind of in uh, getting out of the Catholic tradition at that point. 
he started um, asking young people to come along and do Bible studies. Mm -hmm. And he, he gave them in Spanish, he gave them some New Testaments. Wow. And up, up until that point, the Catholic Church, at least in that part of Mexico, uh, said that the Bible was only a book that priests can read, yeah. not something for any anyone else, not for the lay yeah. people. And and so for this priest to to ask people to come and do Bible study with him, that there was a, a new thing, and they they blame him of uh, being uh, of the devil mm -hmm. uh, because he he was rebellious and teaching people how to read the bible wow um so he started this movement uh and there were at least three or four uh men who started uh gathering with him but soon he he left and he never came back um and around the same time david and christine arrived in my hometown wow to do bible translation and so as soon as David and Christine were able to, to speak Chinantec, they were able to encourage this man in, in their faith. And wow. they will come to them and ask, you know, what does this mean? And uh, different things, several stuff from the Bible that they wanted to know, to understand. And you, you got to understand that um, these men were not exactly um, educated. Some of them would have one year or two years of schooling. Wow. And, and this is like, you know, elementary school. That's amazing. And so they knew just the basic of how to, how to pronounce some words from, you know, read in Spanish. And, and, and it's quite consistent, similar to Maori where R, A, E, O, U, it's always mm -hmm. R, A, E, O, U. It doesn't change like in English yeah and so they knew a little bit how to read the bible but they couldn't understand most of it so they would come to david and christine and ask uh, a lot of questions and and that's how the church started growing and they'll they'll meet and sing songs and um they had people coming in and out to to also do some preaching and they also did their own preaching you know they would learn something from the bible and then they would go and preach to the rest of the group wow yeah mm, that's and, so cool and, yeah and the church grew stronger and the people who started working in the uh and the translation at the translation desk with david and christine uh they were they became church leaders they wow. became pastors they became preachers and teachers teaching uh the bible in sunday schools so yeah that's amazing that that that's how it started and now the church is quite big but over the years a lot of young people didn't follow um the examples of their parents and some have been there's a lot of drinking there's uh drug use as well but that's um so that's another story you know how do we change that again you know we need every bible <laughs> yeah yeah mm -hmm. so um was the i guess the church gatherings were they originally started in like spanish and reading the bible in spanish yes uh because the priest didn't speak uh chinantec mm -hmm. and the and the bible he was giving out the new testament were in spanish as well so I'm it, it was i'm mm -hmm. oh, sorry 
Go ahead. So um, it wasn't until a few years later on that they, in 86, that they were able to have the New Testament in their own language. Right. Do mm. you know if there was any sort of like a difficult transition into um, accepting the Bible in Chinantec if they were used to, I guess, being taught yeah. in Spanish? Yes. Um, one of the things that uh, it's hard for people who are educated enough to be able to read the Spanish is that they think, you know, the King James Version is the, the, <laughs> the original version. Mm -hmm. it, we have some um, similar thing happening with King James uh, people, you know, thinking that is the Bible that you need to be using. Yeah. Uh, anything else is not, not good. Um, so they think that, you know, if we translate the Bible and we uh, translate something in, um, well, the wording is slightly different than the Spanish version similar. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one called Reina Valera, uh, similar to King James. Um, then they think that we're not translating it accurately. Wow. Or, or that. So, yeah, people can't refuse to read the Bible because they misunderstand the uh, translation principles. Wow. Yeah. So even then you have to explain what you're doing and why you're making uh, certain decisions, you know? So um, I was thinking of an example, but, uh, you know, when Adam and Eve, it says Adam knew Eve, and then they conceive uh, Seth or Cain or Abel. Okay, so we know there what it means. We know exactly what it means. Mm -hmm. But if I say then um, in Chinantec that Adam knew Eve, it doesn't mean the same thing. Right. So do I have to make it explicit? And if I make it explicit or... or and, and I find the way of saying the same thing without, you know, becoming so literal. Mm -hmm. and, and But if I use other words, then they start saying, well, you're not translating it accurately because here it says they met or they knew they got to meet at some point. So they must have been separated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there's still, you had to kind of explain uh, a little bit and as much as you want to to make it really clear but you don't want to go too far away from the king james or, or reina valera as well mm. um just so that people don't dismiss all the work that you're doing it's so yeah. interesting and it's funny it is funny how you you raise that because i've met many people when we talk about the fact that we've been Working with Bible translation, there will be a lot of people who are like, well, I hope they're translating from the King James Version. And we're just like, wait, what? You understand that's not even the original languages. But um, yeah, so it's always very funny. Didn't you mention um, that your your dad was involved in the New Testament translation project? Yes. So when David um, was, when he started working on translation, just before that, he was doing medical work. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of medical work, as I mentioned, you know, that's how uh, we met when I was born. Uh, he asked my dad if he could help him do the medical work so he could concentrate more on translation. Oh. 
and my dad um i don't know why he he decided that he would go and help and so he learned a lot of uh, medical stuff through david and there were some people who came to help him too mm -hmm. uh, he got quite a bit of training and, and he he was very good at it so david eventually asked him you know why don't you come and work with me on translation instead wow. and so and so my mom got to do the medical work Wow. So my dad could actually join David on the translation desk. And yeah, so he was part of the translation desk for uh, trans translation project uh, for many years, uh, working with David. And then he, he became a church leader, a preacher and all that wow. thing. And then when I decided to, to translate the Old Testament, he decided to to work, you know, to work with me. Like he 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 kind of instigated that too because before I decided to 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 do Bible translation, he had started kind of playing with Psalms to see if he could translate some of them into Chinatech on his own. So that's so yeah. cool. He, he he has been part of it for a long time as well. Wow. Yeah. I love yeah. that generational element. It's very very cool. <laughs> yeah yeah they they set up very good examples for us yeah and so how much of the old testament have you translated so far so right now i've i'm i'm done i mean shouldn't say done i finished translating the, you know the draft of the old testament oh wow! all the books are, are done i translated now uh, at the moment it's i'm doing a lot of revision I'm doing the what they call exegetical analysis, may, mm. mainly comparing what we have to Hebrew or, or Greek, looking at um, sometimes, you know, the, the Greek version of the Old Testament and the Hebrew version that sometimes can be a little different in some places. And so you kind of have to make a decision, you know, look at, you know, look at our other trends and see how they've done it. And then you have to make your own decision. Mm -hmm. uh, so a, a lot of that and, and make sure that the meaning is actually there in Chinantec and not just the words. And so there's a lot of exegetical check that I have to do wow. and, and also um, have to do all the editing to make sure that there are no typo errors in, in the text. Mm -hmm. and. So there's a lot of little details and then, yeah, be before it can be published. That's amazing. I imagine that you spend quite a lot of time in prayer as you're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> prayer and in front of the computer. Um, yeah, that's it's a lot of sitting. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Wow. So, yeah, it takes. But primarily, it's the prayer from you know, supporters, there's a lot of people praying for us. And so we can do this. Um, there's sometimes there are challenges when there are people who are not able. Uh, I've had guys working with me and then they get called to, to do their town duties. Like I mentioned that I didn't mm -hmm. do, uh, but they have to do it. And so sometimes they call for two years or three years. They're part of the town authorities group and they can't work with me because they're kind of there all day and if they don't do then they have issues later on so um, yeah 
you train someone and then they're called to do something else and then you have to train another person gotcha (laughs) wow have you seen any um i guess impact of having the old testament in chinantec yet or is it not really in the community yet portions of the old testament is in the in the community primarily through um people reading and also uh I don't know if I mentioned, but there is a, a, a radio station in, in my hometown. It, it works, but not all the time. And they asked me to to speak in the radio whenever I'm there. And mm-hmm. so what I do is I read the, whether the New Testament or Old Testament, uh, whatever portions I have at the time. And I, I use it, I read it and ask feedback and I also try to explain similar to preaching, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. So mm-hmm. uh, I do a lot of that through the radio station, and and I hear a lot of comments from people appreciating it. So oh, wow. one day, one day I I decided that I would do. Uh, oh, I announced that anyone who wanted a copy of the New Testament, uh, they could come uh by reciting a, a verse of the bible in chinantec so i said this verse a few times you know yeah, love love your god with all your uh, your soul your power your might and your mind and so um then i said well anyone who wants a copy of the new testament they can come within the next five minutes it didn't take five minutes for two or three ladies came up running uh-huh. <laughs> one of the copies of the New Testament. And then another day I said, well, I have these literacy books that I want to give away. So here's another verse and anyone who wants it. And then I get kids, you know, and they're 11 years old, 12, 13 years old coming, uh-huh. uh, wanting the copies of the, their books. Uh, so, yeah, there, there is interest and uh, people are listening and, and they want more. So they keep asking me when is it going to be ready uh, wow. to be published. So, yeah, great motivation for going, uh, you know, going ahead and push to get it done. Yeah. 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 Wow. So what, what does a typical day look like for you? Uh, okay. In the U.S., <laughs> well, living here in the U.S. is more typical. So, you know, in, in the morning, I start by doing my own reading. Uh, before before I do any exegetical check of any books, uh, I, I read it. I read the. I try to read the whole book and and read it several times to kind of get the flow of it. Mm-hmm. And then I and I start reading other you know other versions of the Bible, uh, the same text. And I before I actually sit and look at what it says in Chinatech. And then if there is anything that catches my eye that is slightly different to what others have done, then I go and check the Hebrew version and, and see, you know, who who is kind of going slightly sideways. Is it me or is it the other, the other versions of the Bible? Or, or what are the reasons? Is it because I am not understanding English? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not understanding the Spanish version well, or where. 
so I, I need to figure those things out and then make sure that what it says in Shinantech is exactly what it was intended for the original audience. So yeah, I do that in the mornings and then in the afternoons I do other things that doesn't require a lot of brain power. Um, <laughs> things like checking the the any mistakes in, in the orthography or other things like I'll record in the evening. I'm a night owl. So mm. uh, if I want to record assigns and talk about assigns and then send it to my hometown, uh, then I do that anytime after nine when kids are asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you make me with all the time that you spend in the word, you make me intrigued. Do you have a um, favorite verse or bo- book or a portion of scripture? Um. In the last, um, over the last couple of years, the, the, the one that has been uh, kind of in my mind is uh, Moses' blessings to, to people. And, you know, the, may the Lord make uh, his face shine upon you. Mm-hmm. May he bless you and keep you and all of those things. So that one was really good. And I even, I made this face mask, <laughs> you know, and I sent them to, to, to the village. And it had that te- text, the, mm. the verse of the Bible, three verses of the Bible, oh. numbers. Uh, so, yeah, that that's kind of like sending that blessed to to people there in in, in my hometown. And a few people uh, got those, and I, I saw them wearing once in, in a in a picture that someone sent to me. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anything to anything to have you know, the word of God and the, the uh, orthography out there yeah. for them mm-hmm. to see. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also printed the same verse in uh, on mugs so mm-hmm. they can read it and see it when they're having their coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I would think I'd just clarify for anyone listening who doesn't know what orthography is, it's the writing system, right? Yes. It's the writing system for the Chinantec language. Right. Oh, so cool. It's been amazing just to hear, I guess, from the beginning of your story, how you even came into Bible translation and now your heart for translating the whole Bible and what you do day to day. I find it so fascinating, like just everything that goes into the translation of the Bible. Um, if, yeah, people want to support you, how could they do that? Uh, primarily is prayer and they can write to me. Um, they can write to Wycliffe, New Zealand office as well and mm-hmm. ask for information uh, for our newsletters. Um, support, uh, in terms of financial support, it's, uh, it's something that's always needed. You know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think there is any missionary who is supported and doesn't need any more support. <laughs> uh, but that's not the primary things that we need uh, mostly prayer mm-hmm. but if anyone wants to translate the work it's mostly for uh supporting those people who are working with us you know um i feel guilty sometimes that you know i get the support and then i have to decide exactly how what they're going to get paid mm-hmm. and in in this inflation times you know, well, the cost for me goes up, but the cost for them too. So the cost for everything is going up. 
So if anyone wants to support uh, one translator, you know, they can send uh, um, their support to Wycliffe New Zealand and say for uh, the project of um, Genentech Old Testament. And then we will have to figure out exactly how, how are we going to uh, divide that to five people who work with me on a regular basis. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, we can put um, details in the description about mm -hmm. where to um, yeah, yeah. go through Wycliffe New but, Zealand and to support you. Yeah, but like I said, primarily is the prayer. Without prayers, we, we can't really do it because it's yeah. easy to get, um, um, to lose motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, we have a practice that we love to do every time we, we gather together of praying for five nations. And um, so we're going to get Wilf to lead our prayer for those five nations this week, which the nations are Tunisia, Turkey, Turkmenistan, Turks and Caicos, and Tuvalu. And we'd also love to pray for your people group as well. Um, Wolf, so yeah, if you would lead us in prayer, that would be awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that you're doing in this world and for all the uh, the nations that you created, the languages that you created. Um, we pray today for the people in uh, Tunisia, Turkey, uh, Turkmenistan, Turks, and Lord, we ask that your kingdom will be extended in those places, in those nations. Mm -hmm. The people you get to know you, that your name will be glorified in those places. Uh, and that the scriptures will be distributed and be available to them so they can um, know and study your, uh, the Bible. They can study your word and understand it for themselves. And not just uh, memorize what, what people say about you, but to actually study your word and get to know you personally. Lord, we ask, we, we don't know all the things that happen in those countries. Some of those countries are not open for mission work. And, and we ask that you will open a way, you, yes. over, you open the doors for people to go there, yeah. for missionaries to be able to go there and to witness to the people in those countries. Thank you for uh, strengthening us, for being with us, and uh, empowering us through your Holy Spirit to do this thing. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to um, be with us today. It was just, yeah, such an honor to listen to your stories. Yeah. So for everyone else yeah. listening, um, we've got another episode every month. So yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>